We're tracking with CCF Manila, and they're on the series of the church that pleases God. Now, if we want to be the church that pleases God, I think it is but natural that we know and we make sure that we are doing that which pleases God, right? So, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which I hope you have memorized by now, assures us that what we are doing pleases God. Can we all read Matthew 28, 18 to 20? And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, Do you see that if you are actively involved in disciple making, that you are actually pleasing God? Do you also notice in that passage that of all the things you can do as a born-again Christian, one, one of the assurances that God will be with you if this is what you're doing is to make disciples. Lo, I am with you, what? Always, even to the end of the age. But many of us are guilty of the great omission. What is the great omission? The great omission is that the great commission is supposed to be done by the pastor. And that's why we pay our tithes, so that the pastor is salaried, so that the pastor will do the great commission. Unfortunately, in CCF, you don't pay us. We are self-supporting pastors. We are involved in disciple making. We should model it for you. Because if we don't ourselves disciple other people, then how and why can we expect that the congregation would do the same? And where does discipleship begin? Last week, our pastor Danny shared with us that discipleship should begin at the home. The very fabric of society, which is the home. This is where discipleship should take place. But what we do, what we do is, let's give our kids to the children's ministry, to the Sunday school teachers, so that the Sunday school teachers will disciple my children. Do you think that's right? I should disciple my children because discipleship begins at home. Last week, we were challenged. Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. Imagine if the first generation Christians did not bother to share and disciple others. This room would be empty. All churches would be empty. Because the message of the gospel would not have been passed on from generation to generation. Because they did not deem it faithful enough for them to share the gospel and disciple those who came to faith. We are losing our children. We are losing them. We are losing the generation that follows after us. This is, again, shared by Pastor Danny last week. It's a rather old survey, but look. 40% believe that casual sex is okay. Premarital sex, 50% is okay. It's okay to abort a child, 55%. It's okay to involve or engage in prostitution. It's okay to get drunk. It's okay to be a homosexual. Look, homosexuality is written in the Bible. 
God doesn't like homosexuality. He loves people. But he doesn't like the sin. God loves the sinner. But God hates the sin. God hates the sin so much that our iniquity, our sins, fell upon Jesus. And he died for that sin. But the world is winning the battle. There is a generation that is brewing called the IY generation. iPod, iPad, iPhone, I1. I want to say you. You fill in the blanks. So, what is this generation growing up to be? Artificially mature. Low emotional quotient. They have, they're living in a virtual world. They have an entitlement mentality. They want instant gratification. They want freedom, but not the responsibility that comes with that freedom. They want prolonged adolescence. They have blurred values. In America before, you're 18, why are you still in the home? Right? Only in the Philippines, 65 na nasa bahay pa. Kasi buhay pa yung lolo't lolo eh. Di ba? In America, 18, you should be out. But what's happening? Oh, it's 28, I lost my job, I'll just go back to my parents. Right? People, young, the younger generation, they're so well informed. Why? The advent of internet. Your phone. How many of you remember having to write a letter, put a stamp, wait for the postman to come by, and then wait for two to three weeks to get a response? Right? Now everyone's chatting, texting, texting while driving, right? But one thing, I believe it is from the same survey. Here is one thing that they also are learning. They think they will not die. They are so adventurous. They think that because they have so much information that they can do anything and they have no fear of dying. They're risk takers. So this is the generation that our kids are growing up in. And if we are not careful, we will lose them. This morning, I'd like to, for us to stand and read a passage of Scripture that our pastor Marty Okaya read and preached on. Can we all stand? Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Let's read. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, so that it may be well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
These words which I am commanding to you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word. We honor it, Lord. We listen to it. But most importantly, Lord, we would like to obey it. Will you give us the spiritual eyes, the strength of our hearts, and the boldness with our feet to do that which you command us? I lift myself up to you, Lord God, for apart from you, I can do nothing. I cannot even preach this message, Lord, apart from the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. So give us attentive ears, Lord God, and open hearts to hear what you want us to hear and to obey. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, discipleship beginning from the home is such an important topic that we have two of them. This is Discipleship Begins at Home, part two. In other words, influence the heart. You see, I can influence your mind. I can speak, I can teach, I can influence your mind. But only the Holy Spirit can influence your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can influence your heart. Now, why should we deal with the heart? Why should we focus on the heart? Look at what Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 2 says. Here you will see the discipleship process. He said, so that you, who's that you? Me. It begins with me. So that you, and then what? Your son. Second generation. You, your son, and then your grandson. Three generations. What shall they do? They shall fear the Lord your God. To keep all his commandments. Which Moses has commanded to the Israelites. On the day that they were about to. Or the time that they are about to cross. Into the promised land. Now it begins with me, it, I pass it on to my son, and my son should pass it on to his son, my grandson. Right? But look at what the Bible tells us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Loving God has to come from the heart. Obeying the commandments of God must come from the heart. Don't obey God because your parents or your pastors are telling you to obey God. You must have the inward volition from your heart to love God and to obey His commands. Furthermore, these words I am commanding you, the words of God, the Bible, the commandments should be where? In your heart. The psalmist tells us, Psalm 119, Thy words have I cherished in my iPhone that I may not sin against thee. <laughs> IY generation, right? We don't bother to read our Bibles anymore. Why? I have access. Look, I will show you. 
Yes? Oh, see, even Eliza is agreeing. <laughs> you have to go to God, follow His commands, obey Him, and love Him from your heart. So it is of utmost importance that we focus on influencing the hearts of our next generation. Our children, so that they in turn will pass this heart attitude to their children. Now, parenting or discipleship really is a two-part process. It involves the father and it involves the mother. But all throughout Scripture, because God has installed that the father will be accountable for, for the family... He speaks to the fathers primarily. But I want to remind the mothers that you are not excluded. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipleship. What is the root word of discipleship? Discipline. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction to the Lord. Another passage in Colossians. Again, it is addressed to what? Fathers, do not what? Exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. The matter, the issue is what? The heart. Do not exasperate them so that they will not lose heart. So that they will not give up. Again, the context is for families that go to church regularly and children after leaving the home about 30 plus. Both parents go, 33% continue. Only mothers go, 30%. There's a drop of 3%. Even if only the father goes, it's 38%. It's even higher than both parents going. So, would you say that fathers have the more influence on their kids? What do you think? Yes. Now, how do we provoke? How do we as parents exasperate our children? Very easy. You guilty of this? If they don't listen, you just pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Careless words. Tanga tanga. Tanga tanga naman ito. Iba. Dad, pwede mo. Tangam. Iba. Nadulas ka. Tanga. Anak ko ba to? Wow. Can you have a DNA? I don't think you're my son. Wow. Unreasonable. You're grounded for five months. You turned up the. You failed to for. You failed to turn off the garage light. Our energy bill is going to go up. You are grounded for five months. Not listening. Oh, ano naman yan? Dad, may problema ko. Dad, buntis ako. Sabi ko na ba? Ano ang gagawin natin? (laughs) 
At nakko, unfulfilled promises. Remember, I shared with you, you know Charles Manson, right? Charles Manson, the one who killed Sharon Tate. You remember him? His mom brought him to the place. He kind of told him, just stay there, I'll come back for you. He never, the mother never picked him up. He was left there. Akala natin, for us, you know, well, okay lang yan, maintindihan yan. They'll understand. They're young. They're resilient. But unfulfilled promises? Man. Hypocrisy. Facade. A mask. You are one way to other people. You are another way at home. You say this, you do the opposite. Hypocrisy. Favoritism. Very bad. I'd like to add. And young people, you are free. You are free to respond. How about this one? Isn't this a killer? No, matanda ka na, Brad. Hindi ka na young. Pareho na tayo. How about this one? That's a killer. Why, why, why aren't you like so-and-so? Well, I'm not. So why aren't you? That's a killer. This is how, parents, this is how we exasperate our children. This is how we provoke them. Now, let me show you a video about a father who is guilty perhaps of all of the above and maybe even more. Okay? And paying attention to what the son was planning to do. Good afternoon. My name is Manuel Luna, and this is the story of my finding genuine happiness and satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ as a father. I viewed myself as typical mabait. I am a born leader who tried to please everyone by going along with what they said and did without any objection. This was a stark contrast to how I was at home. I degraded my wife by calling her tanga or stupid at times. With my children, my temper had no limits and my words had no restraint. When I talked to outside people, I was a shiny example of patience and taking others' feelings into consideration. But with my children, there was none of this at all. I drank a lot, even more when I started my career in politics. Once I got home, the charming personality on the outside was replaced with a fierce temper that only my family saw. I freely berated them whenever my temper would flare up if they committed an offense, there was no private correction. I attended weekly prayer meetings, but there was no visible effect in my life. I assigned bringing up the children to my wife. In my opinion, as how the normal worldview is, it's the mother who should teach the children. For me, being a good father is to work 
to provide for my family, to allow them to live in a good condition, to allow them to study in a good school, because this was what I heard from others. During our childhood years, my siblings and I saw our dad as a symbol of fear, that every time he was present at home, we would be at our best behavior for fear of being punished, scolded, or bullied if we disobeyed or made the slightest mistake. We grew up in that setting where our dad would rarely be seen during daytime because of work and only came back late in the, late in the evenings, most of the time even drunk. My dad and mom would often confront each other during those late nights for hours. And while my siblings naturally avoided them out of fear, I took awareness to their loud arguments that exposed me to the harsher side of life and would later have a negative effect on my attitude. When I got home from work and saw my wife and children talking and having fun, I didn't take the opportunity to bond with and have fun with them too. But instead, I would be a deliberate killjoy by reminding them about the responsibilities and asking if they have finished my assignments for them. One vivid memory that both my eldest son, Manuel Jr., and I share was his asking for help in the area of mathematics. I didn't help him because I thought, why should I? I didn't get any help when I learned that. My temper continued to cause problems for me and my interaction with the children. Once, in my irritation at Manuel Jr., I took away his leadership of his other six siblings from him and further rubbed in by not allowing him to sit in the front seat of our car where he normally was. In another instance, in front of my family members, I told my second son, Jaime, that I wouldn't talk to him again. I was lenient when I was in a good mood and brush, sometimes violent if I was in a bad mood. This culminated when, after another argument with the children, our helper overheard Jaime telling his siblings that he would kill me once he grows up. When I learned about what he said, it was by divine intervention that I didn't confront and hurt Jaime, which was my natural instinct. I became arrogant and full of pride, understanding that I could not rely on my parents and that I should learn to be independent of everything. As a result, I disrespected my parents, especially my dad. I talked back and argued with him and even threatened to kill him. At that time, 2004, we were enrolling our children in a Christian school. They held a parenting seminar by Pastor Robbie Santos, and my wife and I attended, thinking this was a prerequisite for enrollment. It was almost unthinkable, but my, my, but my wife and I were hooked, faithfully attending each session. It led us to voluntarily sign up for the 2005 Marriage Enhancement Retreat of Pastor Robbie in Baguio. It was in this retreat that I committed my life to the Lord and to follow Him in every word and in every action. In the retreat, I heard about Pastor Robbie's daughter describing her ideal husband as being exactly like her father. This had me thinking, what would my children say about me? Would I be their idol? I discovered that I did not have any definite principles concerning parenting my children. I learned that as a father, I had to be the leader of the family. Going home after the retreat, I immediately asked my children, how can I improve as a father to you? After some hesitation, my children spoke up 
And although in my head, I didn't agree with what they said, there must have been some truth to it. So I worked on changing and adjusting to their suggestions. In a CCF retreat, I learned that our bodies are the temples of God. So I completely gave up my drinking, which is quite hard to do in my career. I also learned that no matter how busy my schedule gets, I should make it a point to eat together with my family, as a family. I was also excited to attend Biblical Foundation classes and GLC, for which I had to wake up at 4 in the morning in order to make it from Quezon Province to Manila. In time, I also learned to court the children back. One instance of this courtship was when I willingly dropped my son's basketball shoes off at school so that it would not be inconvenient for them to bring to school during the days they wear formal black shoes. In another instance, Jaime was due to give a report at school, but our laptop was broken. So I brought the CPU all the way to school and inside where he was reporting. Trust me, it's hard to be a servant leader at times. But, but by God's grace, I was able to do it. Also, by God's grace, my relationships with my children were restored and improved. By the grace of God, my dad transformed into an almost different person. He became more forgiving, slow to anger, and gener generally a more gentle figure. It came to a point where he could be so full of humility that I often felt awkward whenever he would ask for my forgiveness. Slowly, the hatred I held diminished because he gave me almost no reason to feel that way. Though sometimes I still fail, God has evidently worked his way into our lives and changed our family. My desire is to honor God through my family and Lord willing, have a happy family. I don't know what paths they will take in the future. The only thing I am sure about is that God will be with us every step of the way. As for me, I shall continue to do my part as a good father to them. To God be all the glory. Praise God. Do you think the young man was exasperated? Do you think the young man was provoked? Provoked to the point of planning to kill his father when he grows up. Careless words. Unfulfilled promises. Would you like your next generation to be that way? The fathers, it's up to us. Leaders of the home, it's up to us. We, this falls squarely on our shoulders. But it's also a two-way street, right, parents? We are supposed to give and train and instruct our children. And children, on the other hand, what are they supposed to do? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. To obey is one thing. To honor is that which just pleases your parents. Obedience, black and white. It's in the Bible. These are the commands. Obey. To honor is just to do what your parents or children, what your parents will make, it will make them happy. That's honoring to them. All right? Now it says, the first command with a promise, so that you may, it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, early in my uh, leading a D group, somebody asked me, why does the Bible say 
that it will be long, that you will live long if you obey your parents. So I said, and we should all do this. If you don't know, don't make up an answer, okay? Tell your group, let me research. Don't be like Einstein. Nobody understands him. Research. So I researched. And this is what I found. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Paglaki niya, baka ganyan din. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it and fear. Kaya pala, if you obey your parents, your parents will not bring you before the priest. And they will not have to stone you. Does that make sense? This is in their context, remember. Now, what kind of parent are we? Okay? What kind of parent are we? What are some parenting styles? Helicopter. What's the sound of the helicopter? Yeah. Oh. Ang helicopter. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, ano naman yan? Ano naman? Oh, 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 oh. Parang ang helicopter. Ikot ka ng ikot. Anong ginagawa mo? Saan ka pupunta? Sino tinatawagan mo? Anong email yan? Lahat. Then, we're choking our kids. We don't know it. Because this is my style. Or maybe, barkada. You want, you want too much that you and your kids become a barkada that you're not willing to correct them anymore to the point that they will begin to lose respect. Or maybe yours are hands-off. Remember the mayor, vice mayor? Oh, parenting? That's my wife's department. It's not my department. So hands-off ako dyan. May problema, talk to your mom. Dad, kala ako pera, talk to your mom. Dad, may problema, talk to your mom. Hands-off, wala ako dyan. Drill sergeant. Pag-gising, may rebelio. Everybody, to the breakfast table, 6.30. Yeah, if you're not seated at 6.30 with spoon and pork, you don't eat for the rest of the day. Fall in line. Go up the car. You exasperate your kids. Dad, Sabado ngayon, walang pasok. Oh, nga pala. Patay. Or, you're the fifth. You are the biblical parent or your Parenting style is based on the Bible, which is focusing or influencing the heart. You see, the Bible tells us that we have to be proactive. Train up a child in the way he should go. Why? When he is old, he will not depart from it. We have to address the heart. Why? Because until the child has learned and lived out what you have taught, you have not retained. You have not retrained. You may have imparted rules and regulations and instruction, but unless and until they actually put it into practice, then, my friends, we have not yet trained our children. We need to influence the heart. We need to influence the heart of the next generation. We need to build relationships. 
Not just because they are my children is I automatically have a good relationship with them. I have to build into their lives. The closer the relationship, the greater the influence. And if the only time that they can see me or talk to me is they have to go to my appointment secretary so that they can talk to me, problema. The closer the relationship, the greater the influence. You see, rules without relationships, they just lead to ruin. Dahil mong rule, wala kang relationship. So the, the child doesn't know why there's such rules. Don't cross the street when the light is green. Why, Dad? Basta! Rules without relationship, they will bring you ruin. Make sure that your family members know why rules are in place. It is for protection. It is not for their restriction. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Be aware, be afraid that when your kids, when they have problems, they go to their barcada instead of you. It means you're not built enough relationship with them that they would rather discuss their problems with their barcada. What if their barcada is a group of bad influence? You'll be in more trouble. You see, when you build relationship, the power of influence is proportionate to the closeness of the relationship. If you're not close, don't expect. Don't expect them to respond because it is proportionate. The closer the children are to their parents, the less they are influenced by their peers and vice versa. I'm the seventh of nine children. When I was born, my father was busy in his work. So I didn't have time to spend with my father. And I didn't take it against him. But what I put in my mind that I was going to marry early so that my kids and I would just grow up like friends. No, the age gap would not be as far. So I married at the age of 23. Our eldest son is getting married early next year, and he's turning 31. I have to be close so that I can influence them. I have to build relationship. And building relationship, of course, takes time. You don't come back from a parenting seminar. And all of a sudden, you have all of these new things that, okay, from now on, this is what we're going to do. Walang relationship. How can you implement that? You learn something new, all of a sudden, everything is changed. You have to build relationship, and it takes time. The more you spend quality time together, the more you can build relationship. But my friends, quality time is only a byproduct of quantity time. A quality time kami, Pastor. Every day, may three minutes kami. Yan ko walang commercial kasi football season ngayon. No, you need time. Statistics on teens with parents. They have regular dialogue with their mothers on faith issues. 12%. They have regular Bible reading at home and devotions at home. 9%. Have regular dialogue with their father on faith and life issues. 5%. 5%. To talk about faith and life issues with your own kids. 
No wonder we are losing this generation. What you and I should do is look for magic moments. Magic moments are times where they open up to you. Magic moments are times when they invite you into their inner life. Magic moments cannot be forced. You have to take advantage of the moment when it comes. Anak, nakalika, magma magic moment talika. It doesn't work that way. Seven o'clock, may magic moment time tayo lahat. You have to be there when that magic moment happens and you have to be alert enough and quick enough. Okay, this is a magic moment time that my daughter, my sons, and I can interact and build relationship. Aside from time, for me to build relationship, I need to listen. The key to knowing the heart is listening. Listen more and talk less. James tells us, Beloved brethren, be let, be let everyone, but let everyone be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. God has given me two ears. I must listen twice more than I speak. But I'm very quick to speak. Just ask my family. I have to listen more. The more you listen, the more you will understand them. The more you understand them, the more you can influence them. Dad, pay yung pera. Bakit? Bilay mo sapatos. Ano? Sapatos na naman? Ang mamahal na sapatos mo. Pagpakita mo ng sapatos, wala na pala suwelas. Kasi hindi ka nakikinig eh. Ang mindset mo, hingi naman ito na hingi. Eh talagang lap-lap na yung buaya na yung sapatos eh. But you should be quiet. You know, do you know that there are people who do not have shoes, they don't have slippers, and... Because you're not listening. Eh? You have to affirm. You have to give words of affirmation. Words impact lives. Positive words affect us positively. Okay? Negative words affect us negatively. Sabi ni James, with the same tongue, I praise God. But with the same tongue, I curse men who are also created in the image of God. Use words of affirmation. Spend time. Build into the relationship. May command yan eh. Do not let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Ayan na naman yung magic moment. That it may give grace to those who hear. Now, I want you to think about this. Okay? Read it and analyze. I would rather have a son who often got in trouble but did not need me to get out of it than a son who only got in trouble once but needed my help to fix it. Are you thinking about that? Do you know this famous person who said this? His name was Richard Nolan. He shared that 
with Ramon Nolan, who in turn shared, shared it with Lorenzo Nolan. I got in trouble. I flew to Bacolod to discuss it with my father. He said, I will fix it. But he also told this to me, that his father told to him. How did this particular message get to me? Okay, I'm not going to ask you anymore. Because you would rather a son get in and out of trouble but get out of it on his own than me going to go to you and ask for your help. I didn't take it against my dad, but this is how I responded to this statement. Hindi na ako hingin ng tulong sa'yo. Because you would rather, as my grandfather taught to you, and as you are now conveying to me, I was appreciative that he was going to help me out of my fix. Pero ito pala yung mindset niya. This was his mindset. I'm not going to go to you anymore. Which I did. I did not. I was married. About 30 plus years, maybe 40 years old. And I remember that was probably the first time in tears I hugged my dad and told him I loved him. And he stiffened up. Because they weren't brought up that way. My grandfather was in the military. What he said goes. No appeals, no questions. Dad, can we, this is my dad now. Dad, can we change the, the wheels of the car? Let's change it, make it mag wheels. Why? Will the car not run if there's no mag wheels? Okay. No appeal, no discussion. End of story. One line there. Dad, puede? No. That's it. You understand? Now we have to be careful with our words that our words will be affirming. Why? Because death and life are in the power is in the tongue. Now we need to influence the heart. We need to be a good model. Hindi yung model nagaganong-ganon, ha? Hindi yun, hindi yun. Pero pwede na, di ba? We have to be a good model. Children copy us either, either positively or negatively. Wrong style. Do what I say, not what I do. Correct style. Do what I say and do. Kim, I remember very clearly my kids told my wife before, Mom, pareho ka na ni dad mag-drive. Kala mo, positive ano? Eh si dad, ganyong-ganyong mag-drive. Hindi pala. So you think my kids drive the same way today? Ask them. <laughs> Maybe I'm a good model. <laughs> you know, you have to be a good role model for them to follow because Paul says, be, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, be imitators of me. Yeah, bang. Be imitate. Bakit siya? No. Be imitators of me. Why? As I am also of Christ. So Paul is telling us to follow him because he is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Can we tell that to our kids? As we disciple them? Because discipleship begins at the home and we're supposed to influence the heart. Follow me. 
Are we worthy for our kids to follow us? Because the mindset, the concept, the context is that I'm faithfully following God too. You see, when it comes to modeling, values are caught. They're not taught. They're caught. Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. I love you, son. absent. So your actions are speaking loudly over your words. We need to build relationships. We need to influence the heart by casting the vision. Vision gives direction to one's life. The greater the vision, the greater the motivation. If they see a bigger vision, they will strive to reach that goal. My grandfather, my father, they were both lawyers. We had nine siblings. None. Zero. Olat. None of us became lawyers. I was probably the closest one. Kaya tawag sa akin ni Pastor Joy Batumbakal, Pastor ni. Si tinulungan ko sila sa mga papeles nila sa INS. You have to cast the vision. Why? We all know. Can we read this? Without vision. Can we read all of this? Can we, can we read all of us? Can we read this? Without vision, the people perished. Walang direksyon. We have to cast the vision that there is a higher calling. Moses knew about this. By faith, Moses had grown up. What? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses grew up in the palace. He had everything at his disposal. But when he found out his true identity, he chose rather to be ill treated with God's people rather than to continue in an elaborate and extravagant lifestyle, but it was full of sin. Why? Why did he have this? Considering the reproach of Christ, greatest riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking forward. He was looking to the reward. So by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. And friends, after you've done everything to influence the heart, after you've built your relationship, words of affirmation, spending time, all that I've shared with you, in the end, in the end, you must entrust them to God. We can only do so much. We can just prepare the foundation. In the final analysis, we have to entrust them to God. At the end, only God can change the hearts of our children. We should do our part, but we should also pray for every stage of our children's life, entrusting them to God. My wife and I were in Rome visiting with my brother some years ago. And his friend asked me, so how are your kids? So I told them. How's Lawrence? 
Oh, he's a 20-something. Girlfriend? Oh, no. What do you mean? We have an arrangement. He can only have a girlfriend once he finishes college. This is our arrangement. said, but how do you know that he has already a girlfriend? I said, I don't. My only hope is that I have built enough into their lives that when they walk out the door of our home, they will know the right thing to do. I cannot be with my kids 24-7. I'm not a helicopter buzzing around and looking. Are they going left, going right? At the end of the day, I must trust and entrust my children to God. Because it is only God who can change their hearts. I have asked one of my children to share. This morning, I'd like to call our daughter Sarah. Favoritism. This is my favorite daughter. <laughs> ah, I only have one, ba? Ah, okay. Check. Hello. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sarah Nolan. Growing up as a pastor's kid was difficult for me. I felt like I had to put on a facade that I was always okay and that I didn't have any problems because I felt that people might start thinking badly of my father and my mother if they saw me complaining or saw that I was not being very Christ-like in my actions. This put a lot of pressure on me because I felt like the way my family acted at home was different from how they would act in church. Over time, this led me to become bitter towards my brothers and my father. I was frustrated because everyone looked up to my dad and, and was blessed by how much, by how we were such a loving family. But every time I hear people say that, I would think to myself, well, that's because you don't see us when we're home. When I was a lot younger, my dad had a bad temper and he took it out on us. I even saw it in his driving. <laughs> it has definitely left a mark on me because I sometimes drive like that now. Around sixth grade, I was affected by this, um, by his temper a lot, because every time he would get mad, he would never give me the chance to explain myself. He would cut me off and tell me the same thing over and over again. I was not trying to reason out, I just wanted him to know where I was coming from and allow him to understand what led me to make the mistakes I had made. But because he was not understanding, he was not able to use every situation to really teach me and help me make better decisions in the future. He would often jump to conclusions, sometimes getting angry about something I actually didn't do. I became bitter towards him, and I developed a coping mechanism wherein I immediately just tell myself that everything was my fault, because that's how it felt like to me. Um, I would often tell myself, ako na lang lagi, ako na lang may kasalanan, and I can't even explain myself. Another reason why I became bitter towards my father was because he was impatient. When I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, he would oftentimes pick me up from school, but he expected me to be waiting outside the building so that he wouldn't have to wait very long. He would call me about five minutes before getting there, but if I still wasn't outside by the time he arrived, he would call me and sometimes yell at me or get angry with me when I got in the car. This happened a lot, and I would sometimes end up waiting for 20 minutes outside the building just so he wouldn't get mad. 
Sana ba ako? Ba yun? Um, sorry, nawala. <laughs> Alright. Aside from feeling bitterness, I actually became afraid of him. I tried to obey him at all times, not because I knew it was the right thing to do, but because I was afraid that he would get mad at me. I was also not open about my feelings to my family for that very same reason. By the grace of God, he had placed in my dad a desire to become a better father. And multiple times in the past, he would ask us on how he can improve. And we would tell him. He has been very humble and open about it and has been trying hard to get rid of his temper, which by God's grace has now improved so much. Because of this, I am also more open to them. And even when I make mistakes, I have learned to own up to them and just admit that it was my fault. I am no longer afraid of them getting mad. And because now my dad is more understanding, this has helped me become more independent and um, be my own person. I have learned to appreciate the importance of his authority over my life. And now not only do I understand this role he has in our family, we also have a wonderful relationship. Because of my dad's example, we have all been growing more in our relationship with God and are able to stick together when times are tough. I praise God for the work he has done in my dad and in the rest of my family, and I look forward to sharing so many more memories with them, serving God together in ministry. To God be all the glory. I uh, edit the testimonies, right? <laughs> but this is one testimony I had. I just printed it out. I texted my daughter. I said, can you write a testimony of my parenting style? And don't withhold anything. This is the first time that I've learned about this. I had to glance through it to see where I would put it in. Because I was guilty of practically all of the above. No one discipled me, I mean, in my family. But there's still time, people. We're not perfect. We all make mistakes. But don't waste the time. God is the one who will allow us to redeem the time. We all stumble and fall in many ways. But if we trust God to change us, then He will allow us to redeem and correct the mistakes of our past. Don't give up. Have a desire to disciple your kids. But before you can disciple your kids, friends, it goes back. Para tayong sirang plaka. If you are not being discipled, how can you disciple other people? Well, nobody's discipling me. Have you bothered to go and look for a group that you can belong to? That you can be discipled? It's not too late. Don't allow our pride 
to extinguish this generation. Be humble and ask God, God, will you forgive me for my style, for not listening, for words that tear down rather than build up, whatever it is. Don't allow it. Don't allow us to lose this generation. For God's sake, don't allow us to lose this generation. Perhaps the most scariest words you will ever say to your kids, how can I improve? My challenge to all of us this morning, who is discipling your children? Is it the school? Is it their barcada? Or is it you? My second question, how are you discipling your children? God, thank you, Lord, that it's not yet too late. Lord, we know that you can make things right. Just help us, Lord, we pray. Help us, Lord, redeem the time. Write our ship, Lord God, that we, give, we may give direction to our children. Help us, Lord, to sustain this generation, Lord. And we know, Lord, it begins with us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you need Christ right now. Maybe you need to come to faith in Jesus. <coughs> Establish that relationship with Him and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I ask you to forgive my sins and accept me just as I am. And I will allow your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to mold me into the kind of Christian you want me to be. And if you're here this morning and you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't know how to build into the relationships of your children, just tell God, God, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything that I know and it doesn't work. Humble me, Lord God, to seek help. Humble me, Lord God, to seek you and to know you and to pass on a godly heritage to my children, Lord. Father, as a body of believers, we don't want to lose this generation. Help all of us, Lord, to disciple one another, to disciple our children, Lord, so that you, your son, and your grandson will see the goodness of the Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.